Welcome to the worship and work of Northminster Church. Welcome one and all and all in one. In fact, I think I might should tell you that the worship service today is brought to you by the number one <laughs> and the letters O, N, and E. So let us worship together the one in the words that are found in your bulletin. We gather in this place to remind ourselves that we are one. The God we worship is one. We are one with God. Thanks be to God. One body, one faith, one baptism. Thanks be to God. We're gathered to worship, to bear witness that we love the one God with all our hearts, souls, minds, and bodies. We come to make offerings of our gifts, many, diverse, sacred. Our gifts are our worship. We Let us worship God. In searching for a hymn suitable for today's service centered around the theme of the Lord our God is one, we had trouble finding one, none in our hymnal, none on an internet search. In pondering Dr. Cluck's chosen text, the Shema Israel from the Talmud, oh, hear Israel, the Lord our God is one which forms the centerpiece of Jewish prayer services and is among the most sacred words of their tradition. And being reminded that Jesus reflected upon this in answering when asked, what is the greatest commandment? To love God. And the second is to love your neighbor. So D.H. decided to write a hymn expressing the oneness of God, the oneness of love, the centrality of that message to all humanity. We cannot love God and neighbor without recognizing and thanking God for the gifts that come from that love. And then 
by putting that love into action. We focus on the one goal for all, working for peace and justice as we humbly walk with our one God. Let's sing together. A reading from the book of law known as Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. 
You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This reading from the Torah is our sacred commandment. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O God of space and time, we come before you this morning never more aware that we are mere creatures. We are limited in what we can do and what we can know. Around us we see the creation trembling. We see violence and hunger and suffering and pollution. We shudder at the carelessness with which we creatures have destroyed your creation. We care more for our bottom lines than we do for the bottom line of life on earth. Forgive us for tempting the destruction and destructive power of nature by refusing a vaccine which would help healing happen. Forgive us for being so smug that we refuse to do what we can with what we do know. Heal our wounded planet as you heal the wounds we inflict on each other, nation to nation, people to people, person to person. Recreate us, O God, as new creation in the oneness of your love. In the name of the one and only one. Amen.
Hear now the reading of a word which became the word of God to the church at Ephesus and may become a word of God to us. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling of which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive, he gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all heavens so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. May the Lord add blessing to the word increasing its knowledge and understanding in our hearts. Amen.
and all that while masked. <laughs> we need to add another lit to the list of those gifts to equip the saints, especially for this church. We need to add musicians to that list. You tell the Bible that, and we'll see if we can get it in. I love music. It's one of my favorite metaphors. And it's a metaphor for us this morning for the unity of God in the diversity of creation. From the scratchy sound of the 45s to the smooth sound of streaming, I have had stacks of 45s, LPs, 8-tracks, cassettes, thousands of CDs. In fact, when I met my wife, I told her I had quite a bit invested in CDs. She was very disappointed when she came over and found they were compact discs. And now with United Streaming, you can hear any music just about ever recorded, from Bach to the Beatles and beyond and back. And if I look at the soundtrack of my life, it's a, a variety, a variety of classical and rock and folk and jazz and outlaw country. I was in seminary and uh, Austin, at the time of the Armadillo head, headquarters, I drove into Austin to go to seminary and heard this sound that I'll never forget. It shook the car as I drove up to try to find the apartment. It was two blocks from Texas Stadium, and ZZ Top was playing, and the car was rocking. May the memory of Dusty Hill be a blessing to all. And you know, I think I love music so much because I can't make any on my own. <laughs> Ask Debbie. She's tried so hard. I can't sing. The only musical instrument I can play is the stereo. But music is grace to me because I must depend on the unifying Mercy of music from others. So you know how you get a tune in your head and you can't get it out? You know that feeling? Well, I'm not preaching to the choir this morning. I'm preaching through the choir. Because I couldn't get a song out of my head, a song by a Canadian folk trio of sisters. They call themselves the Waylon Jennies. Now it's a tape off on Waylon Jennings, but don't let the name fool you. Don't let them distract you from what they have to say. For what they have to say and how they are going to sing it, it starts with one voice. Jesus is the sound of my voice, 
The text before us this morning in Deuteronomy and Ephesians point us to the one who is the ultimate ground of our being, the one in, in which we move and live and have our being, one sound incorporating all the sounds of creation, the melodious sound of God transforming cacophony to harmony, the unity in harmony for the sake of the whole. Separate voices are essential to harmony. Life in plain song would be monotonous after a while. Just ask a monk in the Middle Ages. But life in harmony is momentous. Now, I know nothing about music except how much I love it. Sometimes I'm told that I sing harmony when I'm trying to hit the right note and I'm off by that much. Would that be, yeah, possible? <coughs> the study of how sounds are blended together into music is the purview of music theory. And it's a su tough subject, I hear. Students, raise your hand. Yep, tough subject. Everybody raise your hand. Tough subject. Well, I had a friend who taught that tough subject in college. One particularly pious student was struggling with the intricacies of harmony. How do you get all of the, the elements to blend together to make that one sound? My professor friend asked the young man if he had studied for a rather daunting exam coming up. Didn't have time to study, he informed the professor. But I prayed, <laughs> and God is going to take that music theory test for me. The papers came back, and the student said, D minus? How did I get a D minus? I prayed. And so my friend said he had some measure of delight when he said, well, I guess God doesn't know much about music theory. <laughs> we might think that oneness with the all-powerful one means we get all the breaks. And God is on our side, no matter what that side is. But oneness with the all-powerful one does not mean that God takes your tests for you. God is not a power at your disposal. Oneness with God does not mean God being at your beck and call. Quite the opposite. It means being at the beck and call of the one who is all in all. Even our understanding of the one above all, in all, around all is limited to human language and imagery. Even the most profound theological pontificating of any religion, every religion, even our religion, isn't even close to the essence of the one. In fact, John Calvin says that when God speaks to us, it's as a mother lisping to an infant. In other words, all our best doctrine and creeds can be is Baby talk. Our most brilliant theology is just all goo-goo and gaga. 
And we're farthest from that truth when we try to show God how smart we are and how we know more than we know. If the one who is all there is envelops reality, how can we say, God was here in worship today, I could really feel it. Is that so? Are the whereabouts of God Almighty determined by your emotions? God is here because God is everywhere. We do what we do here not because it is any more holy than any other place or closer to God than any other place. We do what we do here as a reminder that God is in every place and makes each place sacred by God's divine presence. We take the time to be here in worship, not because time is particularly holy, not this particular time, I've seen churches that meet at all different times of the, of the day, so the time isn't holy. But we're reminded that all time is holy in the one who transcends time while holding time. So we say our halting words of faith, our songs of praise, not because they're sacred in themselves, but to be reminded of how much more sacred the one is of whom we speak. And this poetry of Ephesians, one body, one spirit, just as you were called to be one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all, it may have been a part of an early church baptismal ceremony. The candidates for baptism might have used these words to affirm their choice of the one. The emphasis is on the oneness. And it doesn't mean that we are the one and only way or that our way of doing church in our church is the only right way. Remember, the vows are made for the sake of the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That bond makes the many in the body one with the one and makes vows to one Lord encompassing all creation. One faith? Really? I thought 4,200 different religions exist in the world today. Our particular faith only provides a vocabulary to attempt to describe the indescribable. It gives us a way to grow in our understanding of one who is beyond human understanding. Our one faith joins all faiths in attempting to know the unknowable. The most we can say about God is metaphorical. God is our Father. That's a fine metaphor for a person who had a good dad. But it's a terrible metaphor for a person who had a tyrant as a father. We don't need to stop using metaphors because metaphors are all we have. The problem is not that we use metaphors. It is that we worship the metaphor instead of the God for whom the metaphor stands. So calling God mother is a good corrective, but it's merely another metaphor. The only way to be faithful to the one who is God is to avoid dogma at all costs and believe humbly. And so we develop a way of worship which is authentic and appropriate for us 
And we love the way we worship, our traditions, our special sauce. But sometimes we love it so much we mistake the special sauce for the Spirit. We so easily worship the way we worship. Many are the ways to worship the one. We are many, yet we are one. That sounds contradictory, silly, foolish, but such foolishness is the essence of life before one who is God. Maybe a song at this point would help, since that seems to be going along with one as the theme of the day. I have to confess something to you is that I've spent every summer in church camp from the age of nine until my 40s. It's rather embarrassing for me to admit. <laughs> and I learned this song there. And the lyrics of the song portray the, the foolish notion of how we many are one. It goes like this. Not going to try to sing it. All God's critters got a place in the choir. Some sing low, some sing higher, some sing loud on the telephone wire, some just clap their hands or paws or anything they've got. Well, listen to the bass, it's the one at the bottom where the bullfrog croaks and the hippopotamus moans and groans with a big to-do and the old cow just goes moo. Well, the dogs and the cats, they make up the middle, the honeybee hums and the crickets fiddle, the donkey brays and the pony neighs, and the old coyote howls. Well, listen to the top where the little bird sings, the melody with the high voice rings, the hoot owl hollers over everything, and the jaybird disagrees. Singing in the nighttime, singing in the day, the little duck quacks and he's on his way, the possum don't have much to say, and the porcupine talks to himself. Everybody here is a part of the plan. We all get to play in the great critter band. From the eagle in the sky to the whale in the sea, it's one great symphony. All God's critters got a place in the choir. Some sing low and some sing higher. Some sing out loud on the telephone wire. And some just clap their hands or paws or anything they got. I heard Hebrew scripture this morning echoes through the ages proclaiming the one in whom we many are one. It's called the Shema. I want to thank B.H. for the hymn that he wrote. I want to thank the choir for me just suggesting, boy, I sure like that song, One Voice by the Waylon Jennings, and boom, there it was. You see, this scripture is called the Shema because it begins with the Hebrew word for hear or listen. Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. This is the defining statement of the Jewish faith. It's to be repeated twice a day when getting up in the morning and going to bed at night. In fact, Orthodox Jews cover up their eyes when they recite these words. The reason why is explained in this rabbinic reflection. We inhabit a cosmic mirage. 
We perceive myriad creations, all seemingly self-sufficient and independent beings, but as Jews, we believe that in fact there is only one true entity, one God, and the author spells it G-D, because the word God is too sacred even to spell. One God who is the essence of everything. One God manifest in an infinite number of creations. Engraving this counterintuitive idea into our psyches is our greatest challenge, but key to developing a true appreciation for and a relationship with our Creator. Towards this end, every morning and night we recite the Shema. Contemplating these words enables us to see beyond the mirage and to live accordingly. In World War II, a young Jewish boy found himself in the middle of that mirage in a Nazi concentration camp. As he hung to life and sanity, he was issued a new set of clothes that had belonged to a man who was sent to the gas chambers for death. Inside the pocket of the coat was a piece of paper. On the paper were the words of the Shema, scribbled in the dead man's hand. Shema Israel Adonai Lahinu Adonai Echad. The young boy recited the Shema when he felt fear and despair overtake him. Miraculously, he survived. His name was Victor Frankl, author of the psychological classic Man's Search for Meaning. In that same coat, Frankl kept a manuscript for the book along with the Shema, for the Shema reminded him of the God he could not see or feel. Saying the Lord our God assured him that he belonged to God and to God's people no matter what. And Frankl remembered the Hasidic masters who had said, There is nothing other than God. He came to realize that all evil can take away from us is everything except our choice of how we respond to that evil. So Frankel concludes his memoir with these words. The crowning experience of all is the wonderful feeling that after all we have suffered, there is nothing we need fear anymore except our God. So hear the Jenny's wail, the sound of one voice, the sound of one who makes a choice. A choice before each of us this day. One choice. One choice to choose the one. Amen.
this is the sound of one of us reminding all of us how we've been observing a socially distant communion during this pandemic. As you'll remember, we'll remain masked. You'll be guided to the left side of the sanctuary and you'll be able to pass by the table where you'll be handed the elements for communion by the servers. And then we ask that you remain masked until you come to the table, remove your mask, take the elements, and then remask and return to your seat.
before our closing hymn, we have a few opportunities. Before our closing hymn, we do have a few opportunities and announcements. As we all know, the Delta variant continues to severely impact our country and our region. We want to do our part in helping to keep everyone as safe as possible, so we encourage you to stay masked at all times in public to protect not only yourself but those around you. Also, if you or someone you know has not been vaccinated, please get vaccinated or encourage them to get vaccinated as soon as possible. Um, I'm going to give a shameless plug here at Go Care Community Health Center in West Monroe. We have the Moderna vaccine. Unfortunately, we had to waste over 100 vaccine doses a few weeks ago because of the lack of public interest in the vaccine. So please know you can call our number you can get an appointment for a vaccine. You can get an appointment for rapid COVID testing. So please, if you know someone who needs the vaccine or needs to get tested, let them know the options are there. If you're not a member of Northminster and would like to know more about membership, you can call or email the church office and someone will get in touch with you. Or feel free to speak with one of our worship leaders following the service. We're always glad to have new members in the Northminster family. A couple of announcements from our order of worship. Remember, we're one week away from Vacation Bible School, August 8th through 11th from 5.30 to 7 in the evening for kindergarten through fifth grade. I talked with Beth Mayfield before the service this morning, and she wanted me to let everyone know that if you haven't spoken with her already, there is a sign-up sheet on the table in the, in the back hallway. Also, our missions trunk for August is the Council, Council on Aging Food Pantry. There's a list in our weekly newsletter that tells the, the different items that they're looking for, so please support them in any way that you can. Also, please feel free to take some of our beautiful flowers from the communion table to help brighten your or someone else's week. Otherwise, be sure to check out the insert in the order of worship. There's also a wealth of information each week in the weekly email that comes out from the church. If you found a place of community or healing or hope at Northminster and believe in the work that we're doing and want to help us continue that work, please continue, please consider supporting us financially so that we'll be able to continue providing a space like this in all the days to come. Thank you, and now please stand for the closing hymn. Some years ago, our church chose Micah 6-8 as our focus. Our watchword, if you will, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. As humans, how often do we forget the part that calls for humility? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that the foolishness of God is wiser than the wise. In this exposition, he tells his people that Jesus' message of love is foolishness to many in power. 
they are dying and do not know it. But to those who love are saved through the power of God. One day in 2011, Dr. Cluck was working on a sermon centered around this passage. There was a drawing in his office entitled, The Laughing Christ by Willis Wheatley. It depicts Jesus with his head back letting out an uproarious laugh as he meditated upon both the scripture and the image, as is often the case with Daryl in his sermon, creative sermon writing, poetry sprang to life, a hymn about holy hilarity is our closing hymn. Surely the Corinthians were taken aback by Paul's seemingly absurd idea that foolishness is greater than wisdom. Undoubtedly, some found it amusing. We know God had to smile at these words and likely let out a cleansing, healing laugh. Let's sing the foolishness of God. Mm -hmm. 